presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. So I'll be talking about who Jesus Christ is and Jesus Christ as being the Lord or the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So today we'll be talking about... um, uh, reading on this passage about Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. If you have your Bibles with you, or in today's modern age, an electronic Bible with you, just like mine, what we have here. <laughs> Replacing that big Bible with this one, oh, isn't it great? So I'm reading uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23, in the New International Version. It says here, The Son or Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things Hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusations. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So reading from the last sentence of the story, the author of this this epistle is Paul, Apostle Paul. So the purpose why, one of the purpose that it was, uh, this book was written or this passage was stated um, it's been a problem with the first century Christians, especially those who hasn't met um, Jesus Christ face to face. So uh, as the Christianity spread throughout the, the land. So there have been uh, questions about the, the uh, what we call that uh, early Christians, so the younger Christians during that time. Who is this Jesus that we are serving? Who is really? Who is really Jesus? Probably some of you have the same, that que- same question today. Don't worry, you're not alone. It happened before, and it's happening today as well. So who is Jesus Christ according to this passage? Well, we just focus on this passage in Colossians. As John said in John chapter 21, verse 25, that even the whole book, would not be enough to write what everything Jesus has done on this earth, paraphrasing it. 
So just to tell you the truth as well, if you're going to enumerate them one by one, probably will take us probably longer to stay here in this church if we're going to mention that today. <laughs> So, for now, allow me just to, let's just focus on Colossians chapter 1 in our passage, okay? So, who is Jesus? Verse 15 in our passage, it says, He is the image of the invisible God. I don't know about you, but we say an invisible God. Have you got a problem, you know, relating or engaging to someone that you do not see? It's been, it's been very difficult, you know. It's good to have, you know, engaging with someone in which you can physically see. Yeah. I was having an interview in a lot of jobs, job opportunities, and they, they have what they call a recording interview. It is an interview, you know, you just flash in your screen that it will say about asking you questions, and you tell and you reply based on that questions. I find it really very difficult. I'm struggling with that, answering that questions during that interview, because it's something like I'm talking to like a computer or no one else. It's something like I cannot engage. I don't know. Unlike, you know, if we are talking with you, all of you here face to face, although it probably I'm struggling with some words, but at least I can communicate with you. I can see your expression in your face, and you can relate with me. And then you can laugh with me, have a chat with me, talk with me, something about that. So it's been a struggle as well. So um, engaging or relating to someone that you cannot see, especially for an invisible God, something that we cannot see or who that we cannot see. But Jesus is the image of the invisible God. It's the same problem as well before. Philip is one of the apostles of Jesus Christ during that time. And even that time, he was asking. Philip said, during their, one of their uh, discussion or engagement, Jesus said, Philip said, Lord, Lord Jesus, show us the Father, and it will be enough for us. Why? Because he starts having the same problem as well. We want to relate to someone that we can, we, that we can see. That was his struggle as well. Oh, show us to the Father. Physically, he means physically. And it will be enough. Not knowing that Jesus Christ is. And Jesus replied, don't you know me, Philip? Even if I have been with you for ages already, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God. What really they can see physically in Jesus or for a feel. Here, with Jesus during that time, he is. He is God. He is the image of the invisible God. Yeah. And although, honestly, we cannot see Jesus now in our time. So Jesus now is in heaven, actually. After he rose from the dead and went to heaven, we cannot see Jesus physically. But one thing Jesus promised to us is more than actually seeing Jesus. He promised us the advocate or the Holy Spirit, or some say in the other passages, the counselor that he, have, he has promised. And this counselor, the Holy Spirit, will teach us and will remind us all things that Jesus has said and has done. I know most of you, especially in the advance, what we call that in your um, 
um, years being a Christian, you can feel this already. I myself feel it. I feel the Holy Spirit without seeing Jesus face to face. But I know during our worship this morning, I can feel his presence. I can feel the presence because of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Jesus promised. Even if we, we are not seeing him face to face, he promised us the Holy Spirit. Although we cannot see him, but we, cannot, we can feel him. And we can, because of that, we can relate to an invisible God. Amen? You got me? Understood it? Yep. So that's verse 15. Uh, continue the first 15 is, he's the firstborn of, over all creation. Firstborn doesn't mean like, you know, firstborn signifies priority or being the first or above priority, should I say. It does not necessarily mean that he's the oldest child or the firstborn. Literally, firstborn means the oldest child. child. But in this passage, it doesn't mean the oldest child. It's not the order of birth, nor but to rank, actually. So rank is number one. So it's not about being first at birth. But the firstborn possess the inheritance and leadership. And the praises, the praise firstborn expressed Christ being sovereign over all creation. Sovereign, which means Lord or Lordship or supremacy. He's the supreme. He's the firstborn over all creation. That's why we call him Lord. Lordship, that's the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He's the firstborn over all creation. Amen? So I got that from really um, the Cambridge Christian School website. They have, they've got the, verse, the very best uh, description about firstborn. So in what ways that his lordship and supremacy are manifested? We can, we can see that in our verse, in our passage this morning. In chapter 15 to 19. So in what way that it shows his leadership? We start this very first. As he says in verse 15. In him all things were created. I started with verse 16 actually. In him all things were created. And it means all things has been created through him. And for him, he created it, he created all things, he created it for him and through him. So everything exists because of Jesus Christ. He created it through him and by him. And he is before all things, according to verses 17. Before all things, that means... He already existed. Jesus already existed before the world was created or even before everything was created. That's verse 17. So even though he came in the flesh, but he was already existed. He has been existing already before the creation of the world and even before the creation of the universe. We call it pre-existence. Lord Jesus. And this is um, Colossians is written by Paul. It's a similar passage that was 
stated by John in chapter 1, verses 1 to, to 3 and 4, and verse 14, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. And in verse 14, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from Father full of grace and truth. Probably most of us knew how the world or the universe or everything was created. How did God create that? Did he create the sun by latching a match or something? <laughs> he spoke by his word. And God said, let there be light. And it happened. And God said, let there be earth or water, something like that, fish, everything. God said, God said, and everything came to pass. And everything was created. And that word, that very word, became flesh. And that flesh is Jesus Christ. So that's why everything was created by him, by the word, and through him, by the word, and for him, by the word, that through Jesus Christ. So we can see Colossians is written by Paul. John, the book of John was written by Apostle John. We can see really the teaching that they are, that they are, um, that the teaching that they taught those days. And it's the same teaching that we are teaching today. That Jesus Christ is Lord. He created all things and he is our Lord. Amen. And the same thing continued in verse 17. In him all things hold together. So it's not just he created all things, but in him all things hold together. In other verses they call it in him all things consist. But I like this uh, translation. In him all things holds together. Okay, what does it mean? So let's illustrate it this way. So we know the, the solar system, just an example, okay? The solar system. What is in the center of the solar system? The sun. What revolves around the sun? The planets, Yes. What location or position is Earth? Third. Third. Very good, right? Yeah. So how many days that the Earth revolves, rotates, revolves around the sun? 365.4. days. That's why we have a year. Year means one revolution of Earth around the sun. Has it changed? No. Why is it not changing? Can everybody explain to me? I have an explanation. Hey, I have an explanation why it didn't change. In him, all things hold together. <laughs> I don't have any other explanation for that. Do you know what will happen if it will change? It's, it's not just a climate change. It's a climate catastrophe. A disaster. You know that? Even we just even the earth is just probably some meters or kilometers apart from the sun from what we are now. It's a climate catastrophe. It's not just a climate change. Why is it consistent? I don't know. <laughs> In him all things hold together. It means he just didn't created it. 
He sustained it. He manipulated it. He controlled it. Amen? Yeah. How many hours that the, the earth rotates on its axis? 24. That's why we got day, night, because it's one, one rotation of earth around its axis. 24. Does it change? No. <laughs> yeah. And some scientists say that the that the universe was created by the most accepted theory is in science is the Big Bang theory. It means the universe was created from a big explosion. A big explosion, then the particles scatter. One of that is Earth and the universe, right? Don't you know that? Uh, who are physicists and scientists here? There's a law. That's why if the magic object starts to move, what? Uh, that's the second. The first. Uh, <laughs> the, law, the law of physics. Once the object moves, what? Yes, it keeps moving until until a force or certain, yeah. If a force will, will stop it from moving, that's law of physics. If that, if that what we call the theory about creation of Big Bang, explosion, it starts to move. So what will happen? It will continue to move until a certain force will, will stop it from moving. That's law of physics. But it is something, is, is the earth moving from its axis or position or something like that? No one can prove. Some say, no, it didn't. It doesn't. Why? I don't know, probably Big Bang theory is wrong. All you have to do is just accept that it is being created by design, and in Him all things hold together. Amen. One thing I want to give more example about this. Okay, wish you who have used a vacuum cleaner. That's a pretty good example. <laughs> Why did we come into vacuum cleaner? Oh. What do you think the reason why it can suck something like dirt and messes all around the floor? What's the theory behind? It rotates and rates vacuum created what? Vacuum. That's why we call it vacuum cleaner. Right in the container where the dirt is, it's a complete vacuum. And once you turn it on, so it, because it's a vacuum, it's a pressurized thing over there. So from vacuum for being with pressure, it will suck the dirt into the to the Vasco container. That's for the dirt. Principle of vacuum cleaner. Now, what's, what's above us? What's above the earth? Space. Space. I think, Matt, you're a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> it's space, okay? It's space. Above the earth is space. What's space? What's in the space? Vacuum, yes. This space is complete vacuum. It's been proven, right? It's a vacuum. What's here? In earth? We got pressure. Okay, carpet. <laughs> we got pressure here. We call it, scientists, if it's no machine, we call it atmospheric pressure, positive pressure. And above there is a vacuum. If the principle of 
principle of vacuum cleaner applies. Where are we now? We'll be sucked into the vacuum, right? Yeah. yeah. Because we are in a positive atmosphere and it's a vacuum up there. We'll be, all, all of us will be sucked. Everything in earth will be sucked through the vacuum. It's a vacuum up there. A vacuum over there. Is it happening? No. Because we're still here. <laughs> still here. And why is that? Some say, oh, because there's a magnet on earth that holds things together. And there's a atmosphere, layers of atmosphere that keeps us he- here. But same thing. Same thing. Why, why is the atmosphere still there? Or layers of atmosphere still there if it's a vacuum up there? I don't know. I don't have the explanation. I don't know. Probably, I don't know if science have a good explanation on that. They're just theory, but one thing that I know, in him, all things hold. In, uh, in him all things hold together. Could you imagine that? Have you imagined what our God can do and what he is, he is doing right now? We tend, we tend to say some we tend to say that God is sleeping. No, this is the business of keeping all things together. Amen? Oh, probably one last example. Laminin, who knows about this? Laminin is what? Hey, sorry, there. <laughs> sorry, the description is already there. Laminin. Laminin is something like a, a protein that holds. Correct. That holds the what? Holds the cells. The cells together. Very good. I've got another scientist here. Sorry, Matt. <laughs> it holds the smallest unit of a human body. What's the unit, smallest unit of the human body? Cell. Oh, sorry. Cell. And what holds the cell together? Laminin. Laminin. Oh, sorry, it's not Jesus. Laminin. <laughs> Did you see? Yeah, because in him all things together. But look what laminin looks like. Yes. Left is the um, scientist representation of what laminin is. The right figure is as what is seen in an electron microscope. It's a cross. Coincidence? I don't know. Well, probably I know. <laughs> coincidence? Probably not. It's not a coincidence. It's by design. God just wants you to remember that he's very, what we call that, looking after you. That's, what he, that's how he loves you. That even to the smallest part of your human body is telling you that I am there holding you together. Amen? Why cross? Why the cross? Why is it shaped like cross? Why not circle, square, random, something like that? It's really a cross. In him, all things hold together. Amen? Amen. Now let's continue. What else that this verse says? He's the head of the body, the church. That's why we say in this church, Jesus is Lord. Because he is, according to this verse, he is the head of the body, the church in which we are. 
And he's the beginning and firstborn among the dead. He's risen from the dead. And he said he, is the, he has the supremacy over that as well. Even to the resurrected bodies or from the dead. And everything he might have the supremacy. Take note of this supremacy in all things and everything. As we have said, it's not just for us, but in everything, in all creation. And it, all God's fullness dwell in him. Why? Because Jesus is God. He's the word that becomes flesh. And Jesus is God. That's why we worship him. And he is the head of the church and his body. Amen. And verse 20 to 23 expresses the, uh, God's overall plan for this universe and for all of us in verses 20 to 23. Verse 20 says, And through him to reconcile to himself all things with their things on earth or things in heaven by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Verse 20 is the main plan. And what that plan is, to reconcile to himself all things. Probably we would ask, why reconcile? Uh, probably just a brief explanation. Um, since the fall of man, since Adam and Eve um, committed that sin, we have been eliminated from God. Okay? So there's a separation already between man and God because of that sin. Sin is the wall or the partition between God and man. But through Christ, his plan is to reconcile us with him. We were once alienated, but now we are. We are reconciled by God through Jesus Christ. That's God's plan for us. And he said it's not only for, I've heard the sermon, that it's not only us to God, but also us with other living things. They said, they even said, Father, it's not only us and other living things, but take, for example, us and with the animals as well. No. I have fear of snakes, actually. <laughs> Do you like it? Right? Sometimes with dogs, of course, and they are not very tame. Yeah, sometimes uh, to fear them and some other animals. But there will come a time when God's glory be revealed that we can relate with those animals as well. We'll be reconciled with those animals as well. With all living things, not just with God, but all living things, including animals, all created things. That's what he said. Because he said all things. There's no exception. Amen. And what we were before, yes, has been explained that we were alienated by God according to verse 21 to 22. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusations. So he reconciles us to him. That's the very first thing. And verse 23, 
is uh, is uh, God um, is God's expectation on us to keep uh, for us to be reconciled and to keep us reconciled with Him, and that is we keep if we continue in your faith in our faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out of the gospel. It means if we continue in our faith, if we have that faith in God always. If we have faith that we acknowledge him, that he is our Lord and Savior, that he is the creator of all things, that in him all things were created. It's just that faith that what God is expecting from us or God wants us from, wants from us. Okay? And the main point of this passage, the whole passage that we read is in verse 18. It says there, that in everything he might have the supremacy, that in everything he is Lord. Okay? And we might have, we have no Christ. He's God. He's the Lord. He's the supreme. He's the Savior. But when I um, shared, as what I've shared probably a month ago, about humility. What did Jesus Christ did? He is God. He is king, if you should say. He's the Lord. He deserved to be what we call that, you know, serve as a Lord. But no, what did he do? Instead, he stripped off that, what we call that royalty, being a God or king. He stepped down and mingled, identify himself to the other um, to the disciples, to the, to the people, to the people, to the men that he created. He humbled himself. He humbled himself. You know, he came here, if you remember that passage that he said, I do not come here to be served, but to serve. And that's what Jesus Christ did. He served. Could you imagine the creator of all things, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, who is washing his disciples' feet. Have any king on this earth done that to his servant? I don't think so. But the very creator himself, the Lord of all, the Lord of Lords, the creator of all things, came to this earth washing his disciples' feet, mingled with him, eat with them, dined with him, identified with him, he didn't leave, when he came here, he didn't leave something like a king that's something to be grasped or hold on according to this passage. But he made himself like a human being. And even being very obedient, even obedient to the cross. And we know why that cross happened because of a purpose. That's to reconcile us with him and to God. So in him, in everything he might have the supremacy. Just a reflection for us. In what areas does Jesus not yet have first place in your life? In what areas in your life? I don't need an answer this time. I don't need the answers of the scientists this time. <laughs> Reflect it in yourself. Jesus is not Lord only in this church, in the church, not only Lord in the church. I mean, it means when we go out there, he should still be our Lord, because that's what it's all about, Jesus. 
being Lord in every aspect of our lives, whether in here, out there, at work, anywhere, or anything from us. Let us reflect and ask a question. Are there any parts or areas in my life that Jesus is not yet my Lord? Then probably it's time for us to surrender and take that steps actually to surrender it to his lordship. I don't have to tell you what Jesus did. Our passage today just tells us who Jesus is. Jesus is. What he did is another thing. Raising the dead from the raising up the dead, healing the sick. What else? Control control the weather. Multiply the food. Everything. Healing the sick. The list goes on and on and on what Jesus did and what probably he is doing even until now. But, see, this is who and what Jesus is. This is the Lord that we serve. This is the Lord that we are worshiping this morning. This is the Lord of our life. And he loves us. Is there anything that we'd ask for? Jesus is, uh, the song says, his name is, how I wish I can sing like Eli. <laughs> his name is power. His name is, his name is, his Lord. He's the Lord. Now, we can see that in him all things hold together, right? He's in control of all things. Everything he says, it will happen. Even the miracle things. Even life itself or the earth, the universe is a miracle itself. That's what he can control. He got hold of these things. In him, all things hold together. But there is one thing that he cannot control. He, he's, there's one thing that he, you know, he cannot make things to happen. And that's your will. He could probably, of course, it doesn't mean that he cannot do that. Of course he can. By all power is might, he created all things. He can do that. He can program you. Okay, I can program you, Carrie, to love me. Okay, that's probably God would like, like to do. To everyone, problem solved. He can create, he can, but he doesn't want you to be like a robot, you know, commanding you to love him, because that's not true love. He wants your love to be from your own will, that surrender yourself to love him, to submit to his lordship. That's one thing that he cannot control, and he doesn't want to, because he wants that love to emanate, to come out from you, to love him in return, and to proclaim that he is Lord of your life. That's one thing he would like to do. And he wants everyone to do that. To do that, yeah. In Revelation 3.20, we heard that verse that, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He, he who opens the door, I will come in and eat with him. 
So it's something like, it's the door of your heart. He's knocking. He can open the door, of course. Or he can be squeezed through and get in. But he doesn't want to do that. He's just knocking. Just knocking at the door of your heart. And it's up for you to open the door of your heart to welcome him. He doesn't want to control your will. Free will, you got free will. And he wants your free will to make that decision to love him, open your heart to him, and make him as Lord of your life. Because that's what he is. He's the Lord. He's the supreme. Amen? Amen. So if anyone of you hasn't made that decision yet, it's time from your own free will. Open your heart. Submit to his lordship and let Jesus come into your life and to his lordship. And I can guarantee you, based on the word of God, his name is healing. His name is power. His name is life. Amen? I pray that you get something from this message today. And God bless you, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at BethelCRC.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on